Good morning. Uh, this morning's reading is from Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Good morning, everyone. And a big hi from Che, my wife, who's back in the Maritimes. And just to let you know, she actually watches our worship service after she's done her worship service back home, which is so which is interesting. She's getting a double dose every Sunday, so which is not a bad thing. It's a good idea, actually. So last week in our lesson, we looked at what it means to call upon the Lord, what it means to call upon the Lord. And it means to seek him and to find him. It means accepting the good news and responding to it as we see the Jews did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So they understood who Jesus was. They were cut to the heart. They repented and they were baptized for the forgiveness of sins. They came to Christ in obedient faith. So now we come to the section of verses 14 to 21 of Romans chapter 10 because we've looked at the first 13 verses last week. We'll look at the second half of that Romans chapter 10 this week. And in these verses, you will notice that it almost seems as if Paul was playing two roles in a court case. He was he was playing both the prosecutor and the defending attorney, in, in a sense. When you read through it, that's what it seems like. And, of course, those who were on trial were the Jews, the Israelites. And so with this image in mind, as we go through it, you're, you're going to see he raises objections and then he answers them. And so he goes back and forth. And so he plays both prosecutor and defender. And so, uh, making arguments, answering them. So let's start by looking at verses 12 and 13. These are the last two verses that we looked at last week, just to give us a little thrust into the text. It says in verses 12 and 13, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you might remember what we said last week. Imagine how the Jews would have felt hearing that. They always thought that they were the special chosen people of God. And now they're being told, no, you're not. That that those who accept the message, the gospel, are the chosen people of God. Now the way to God was open to anyone and everyone. That wasn't an easy thing to hear. Imagine if you were a Jew, worshipping all those years, hundreds of years, and all of a sudden, everything is flipped right around. Your, your entire worship. Imagine our worship service had completely changed. Jesus showed up and said, okay, you've been doing it this way all this time. Oh, now we want you to change it completely. I want you to worship it in a different way. And that's what happened. Everything had just changed around. So let's read verses 14 and 15. And so the Apostle Paul continues and he says, So how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So Paul lists 
a series of objections and said, how can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? He sounded like a defender here, doesn't he? As Almost as if he's defending the Israelites. Well, how can they believe in the one they have never heard of? And so, belief in Jesus is necessary for salvation. Belief is required to call on the name of the Lord. You can't come to the Lord if you don't believe, right? And so, sadly, many people in our world today believe in God, but they refuse to believe in Jesus. There are groups out there that teach that we are to follow God. But Jesus, Jesus is just a man. Jesus is a part of history. He was a good man who loved God, a man who taught good morals and values, some people will say. And that's unfortunate that people would say these things. But the Bible tells us something different. Jesus is the Son of God. He is deity. We know that from Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. God in the flesh who made his dwelling among us, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus isn't just a good man. Jesus is God the Son, and Jesus is the one that we're to follow. So Paul says, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? You know, it sounds like he's defending the Jews again. How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Paul asked. Previously, Paul was saying that the way to God is not by the way of works and legalism. It is by the way of faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So now Paul gives the objection. But what if the Jews never heard this good news? What if they never heard this? Paul answers that objection later in verse 18, as we're going to see when we get there. Then Paul said, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So, almost as if to say, well, you know, maybe nobody told them about Jesus. Paul followed that question with the next question. And how can they preach, referring to the person who should be sent to preach, unless they are sent, unless they are commissioned to go and preach? Paul gave these objections and then switched over to the role of prosecutor. Paul, just as the other apostles did, and as we should too, now turned to Scripture to show that God was judge and gave every opportunity for the Jews to hear the good news and believe it. God tried to reach his people. They didn't want to listen. Paul quoted Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, or a summation of it. And here the whole passage of Isaiah 52 says, 52, 7, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who claim peace. And so this did hear, but they didn't really hear. They weren't listening. So though it says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, we know it's not the feet, but rather the messenger is talked about, right? You know, obviously it's not the feet that are beautiful, right? And so the messenger. So the thought is how beautiful it is to see someone bring the good news to others. It shows that the person sharing the good news doesn't want that other person to be kept out of heaven and miss out on a wonderful relationship with God. And that's, that's what we're doing. When we share the gospel, when we share the good news, we don't want to see someone lose out on eternity with God and that relationship that we all want. So Paul's point in quoting these, this verse was to give an answer to the previous objections. And that answer was that the Jews cannot say that there was no messenger or that there was no message, the good news that was preached. It was foretold by Isaiah that the good news would be preached. John said in chapter 1, verse 11, that Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, referring to the Jews. 
were God's people. So it's clear. Jesus came to God's people first, the Jews. They rejected him. And then we know that the gospel is preached to the Gentiles. Take a look at verse 16 now. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. We've just been talking about that. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So Paul's argument here was that messengers did come. The messengers preached the good news, but who believed it? They went, they preached it, but who believed it? They didn't believe it. The Jews rejected it along with Jesus. So Paul again, playing the role of prosecutor, now quoted Isaiah chapter 53, which is messianic. And I'm just going to read the first five verses of Isaiah chapter 53. And listen to what it says in these five verses. Think about what's going on, what Paul is talking about here. It's in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And that's only the first five verses of Isaiah chapter 53. And Paul is going to this. Paul is going to what Isaiah said to show that, look, Christ came to you. You rejected him. And that's what happened. Verse 17 of Romans chapter 10 now. Verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word, through the word of Christ. So Paul's point here was clear. Faith comes from hearing the message. That is the gospel, the good news. As we touched on in our last lesson, man must call upon the Lord to be saved, because salvation does not have its source within man. Salvation doesn't originate within us. Salvation originates with God and with Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, is the one who saves. We can't save ourselves. So I remember one time when I was in Stratford, and a woman had called at the building, and I was talking with her. And she claimed to be a prophet. And she claimed that God had spoken directly to her and told her that she was saved. Well, there's a problem with that, isn't there? based on what we just read. Faith comes from hearing the message, which is heard through the word of Christ. God does not talk to us directly, but only through his word today. Let's take a look at verses 18 to 21. Yes, I was waiting for the picture to come up. So, Lord, please talk to me. Boom, there you go. God only speaks to us through his word. That's kind of funny, I know. Nice caption. Verses 18 to 21 now. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. 
I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And so, yes, yes, the gospel is preached to the Jews, to the Israelites. We see another objection. Paul said, but I asked, did they not hear? Paul once again answered the objection with scripture. He quotes Psalm 19.4, and he shows that scripture had been fulfilled. So the gospel indeed was being preached everywhere. All the, all the Israelites heard the good news. There's no excuse. They heard it. Did Israel not understand? Did they not realize the gospel was meant to save them? Did they not understand? Did they not get it? Here is God that they follow and they serve, and he sends the Messiah finally. And they reject him, the one that they've been waiting for that would save them. They reject him. And so, did they not realize the gospel was meant to save them? Did they not realize that God sent Jesus to save them? Paul answered this objection by quoting three different passages of Scripture. He quotes Deuteronomy 32:21, he quotes Isaiah 65, verse 1, and then he quotes Isaiah 65, verse 2. So in the first Scripture Paul quoted, it talks about God transferring his favor to another people, and as a direct and intended result, make the Jews jealous. God's purpose was to make the Jews repent and turn back to God through Jesus. That's what should have happened. But they didn't. They just got hired and said, oh, we're not going to turn back to you. No. In the second scripture quoted, Paul was saying that God was found by people who are not looking for him, the Gentiles. He revealed himself to the Gentiles. He offered salvation to them because the Jews didn't want it. Okay, fine. We'll bring salvation to them. In the final scripture, Paul quoted Isaiah showing that God was patient. But the Jews were nothing but disobedient. Isaiah prophesied about the stubbornness of the Jews. And their hard hearts. Jesus also talked about the Jews and how hard of heart they were. He quoted Isaiah in Matthew chapter 13, verses 13 to 17. But we're not going to read those verses. I'll leave that for you to read on your own. And that was Matthew 13, 13 to 17. So God brought the gospel to the Gentiles because the Jews rejected it. They did not want to accept Christ. They didn't want to accept his messenger, God's messenger, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So by this time, at the time Paul wrote this, the gospel had already spread everywhere, even into Samaria, where no Jew would enter. Gospel is spreading everywhere. And Paul talked about the importance of sharing the message and the importance of accepting it. But how about us? What's the message for us today? How does this apply to us today? What do we get out of the text? How important is it for us to share the message, the good news, with others? Are we obligated to share the good news with others. Is it our duty as Christians to do it? Are we responsible and and we have to do it? Well, let me put it this way. Did the gospel spread everywhere only by the work of Paul and the apostles? When we think of Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 19, we read about the Great Commission, and Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he gives them the Great Commission. Well, do we believe that it's only Paul and the apostles that had to preach the gospel, that had to go out everywhere and preach this good news? If it were only the apostles, think about this, then that would mean that Paul was boasting about himself and the apostles when he said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Was he saying, how beautiful are my feet and the apostles because we bring the good news? Or was he talking about a greater audience than just himself and the apostles? All throughout the New Testament, we read about people like Barnabas 
Silas, Priscilla and Aquila, and a lot more, who went out and they shared the gospel, and they brought people to Christ. Take a look at Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 4 again. Those are the verses we had for the reading. And take a look at what it says, and we'll notice something in that section. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And so, in those verses, we see that those who had been scattered, the Christians who were in Jerusalem, who fled the persecution, they preached everywhere they went. This was not the apostles. As a matter of fact, when you read it, it says the apostles stayed in Jerusalem during the persecution. They weren't the ones preaching. It was everybody else. And so we see that, yes, Christians were expected to preach the gospel. They were expected to go out in the world and preach that good news. God expects every Christian to share the good news with others. All the Christians who fled Jerusalem preached it. It doesn't say some of them preached. It says all of them preached. God expects us to do it. How does God feel when we do not share the gospel with others? What do you think? Well, we can only imagine, right? Obviously, he's not pleased with that. However, we do know how he feels about those who do share the good news with others. We read it. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's how God feels about those who share the good news with others. So I leave you with this question. If you are here today and you have not responded to the gospel, what is the good news? If you don't know what it is, won't you come forward today? Talk to me or Chad, one of the, the elders, or someone in the congregation that you know and trust. And ask them about it and talk to them about it and have the gospel shared with you. The good news, the message that can save you. Let's stand as we sing our closing song.